G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, let's dive into one of the more controversial conversations you'll hear on 2020. We regularly cover issues around Christian persecution on this program and it's often extremist dictatorships as in North Korea or religiously influenced nationalism like in India. Oftentimes, we're talking about persecution that comes from Islamic regimes against Christians. But rarely do we talk about what happens when Christians are pitted against Christians, as is the case in Mexico. Mike Gore is the CEO of Open Doors in Australia. Our privilege to talk to Mike. Mike, a special welcome back to 2020. Neil, it's good to be back. It's uh, always always fun to come on to 2020, so thanks for having us along. Hey, Mike, a story has emerged from Mexico that ought to be troubling for anyone who calls themselves Christian. Uh, give us your insights into the story of Mauricio. Yeah, look, Mauricio is from Chiapas. It's the southern part of Mexico. Neil, I was actually in Chiapas only about six or eight weeks ago, and so it's a part of Mexico where persecution is 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 incredibly high for Christians. Now, Mauricio himself was detained last January, taken to jail alongside his wife as a punishment for converting to Protestantism and professing a faith different from the traditional Catholic belief. Now, what is interesting, in my time in Mexico, when I talk to local Christians, evangelical Christians there, about the chief form of persecution, Neil, the, the language they put to it was the main form of persecution in this nation is denominational protectionism. So what happens there, and what blew my mind, Neil, was that you know I've spent a lot of time working with Open Doors, and over the last sort of decade, we saw the, the war in the Middle East and many, many Christians displaced from their homes by a terrorist group called ISIS. What I didn't realize was that in Mexico, the cost becoming an evangelical Christian in many um, staunchly Catholic communities is exactly the same outcome. Displaced from your home, kicked out of your home, walking on foot to other cities simply because you are unwilling to um, renounce your evangelical Christianity. It's, in the last 18 months, I think 30 evangelical Christians, including a pastor, um, have been imprisoned for not professing the same Catholic faith as other ethnic groups. It sounds like something we're talking about out of the Middle Ages, uh, from around the times post-Reformation, where Catholics and Protestants were even at war for 30 years at one stage. But denominational protectionism, something that if you have this sort of superiority or you want to protect everything that you've got, even by uh, suppressing other groups, that's a pretty challenging thing for us to be thinking about in the 21st century. It really is. I mean, it's, it's one of the things, I guess, as I sat there hearing these stories about denominational protectionism, that there was this weird sort of echoing in my mind that oh, there's a strangely eerie 
familiar feel to institutional Christianity. And so seeing the aftermath of this for believers, Neil, who, who quite literally, I mean, that they lose their houses, they are forced out of their homes with only the possessions they can carry. They walk for miles. And in many times, open doors will now be providing like houses for these people, food for these people, clothing, shelter, accommodation. So seeing what I had seen echoed across the Middle East throughout the war with ISIS, now in Mexico, simply because of denominational protectionism, it was eerie. I mean, it was it was a haunting picture of the cost of faith for so many Christians the world over. And in this case, where Christianity collides with Catholicism. Intolerance like this isn't new. As I was reflecting, going back to those times around the Reformation, Catholics and Protestants, uh, they've even fought wars against each other. So in Mexico, Mike, there's a long way to go still to, in fact, agree that Christians can be Christians, whether Catholic or Protestant. That's right. I think that's a, um, that is sadly a common reality the world over, Neil, is that for people wanting to become um, evangelical Christians when there is a majority religion at play, no matter what that may be, there is still a long way to go for freedom of religion. That's why I'm a passionate advocate of freedom of religion, not just freedom of Christianity, but freedom of religion, because I think that people should be able to um, follow Jesus in some of these countries, some of the most conflicted countries on the planet, without fear of consequence. I wonder if you've got a thought or two here on the value of the Bible, because oftentimes we'll talk about having a high view of the Bible and being Christ-centric. If you begin to bring in tradition and all sorts of other uh, ritual into how you might designate what's right and what's wrong within Christianity, you run into all sorts of problems. The Bible actually is a very powerful tool here in resolving issues like this, isn't it, Mike? I think there's two elements to it, Neil. There's, there's number one, the Bible is an incredibly powerful tool, as you said, in understanding you know, how best to follow Jesus, a great sort of handbook or guidebook to outworking a faith, a, an effective faith to that. And then I think there's also a corresponding element of grace, right? And I think one of the realities I look at, even in Western nations, is there's so much ritualistic Christianity. There's so much. Um, there are different things we do, idiosyncrasies we all have in ways we choose to engage with God. But what I've seen echoed in the persecuted church so often is that under denominational protectionism, it's the rituals and the strict observance of those that can actually sort of draw you away from Christ. And so the Bible helps us keep us on track. But I think what I love about Open Doors, the ministry, is that we try and contextualize the lessons that we're learning from places like Chiapas in Mexico to places like Australia to say, hey, how are we both trying to outwork the same faith? What lessons can we learn together? And I think the two here would be around understanding the Bible and how to worship God, but having a grace for what is, and at times, a diverse expression of faith within our nations. Is there something of a message to each one listening today that even within us, no matter what denomination we might come from, that there is this potential for intolerance and even persecuting one another, uh, inflicting injustices on one another? That's right. I think I've seen that actually echoed, particularly within the Christian faith. There's part of me that's, you know, in Western nations, I'm, I'm greatly fearful that some of the greatest persecutors of the modern church are in fact Christian because we so rarely honour each other in the way we talk. But what I've seen over the last couple of years 
as we see a moral change in Western societies, particularly out of Australia. I've seen Christians often chase persecution, Neil, over chasing Jesus. Now, in the persecuted church, people outwork a life devoted to Christ, and the, the resultant of that is persecution. Sadly, what I watched happen at times, and in some segments of the Christian world across the last few years with COVID, was that people would say often needlessly inflammatory or insulting statements based off either the Bible or a religious viewpoint. And in so doing, they would then put their hand up once they got a response and say, I'm being persecuted. But what I, what I was sad, the reality or the sad reality of that is that people, when you chase persecution over Jesus, there's a big miss. When you work in outworking and effective, a simple, a love God, love people faith, it is likely you will invoke an element of persecution. But we just need to remember, don't chase persecution, follow Jesus, right? That is the key point. Mike, how do you pray for a situation like what's happening in Mexico? Because lots of listeners, they love to keep the persecuted church in their prayers. And some of those will be coming from a Catholic foundation. Others will be coming from a Protestant foundation. How do you pray for Mexico? It's it's a great question. And this really sort of simple rule I have when it comes to prayer for me is that in these moments where things kind of collide with my value structure, I will often say, well, number one, you pray for the persecutors because by the time you got your mouth around a prayer for the person inflicting the pain or the damage, your general heart's in the right place to pray for the people who are suffering at the hands of the persecutors. So firstly, you pray for the persecutors. The second one is you pray for people like Mauricio and, and the people who are um, affected by persecution. And then thirdly, you pray that we would grow closer to God in the process, in understanding it. Because I think it's that three sort of sided prayer that's really crucial and remembering that no one's beyond salvation. So whether you're praying for a terrorist group like ISIS or whether you're praying for staunchly Catholic people who are sort of displacing people from communities, we've got to remember Jesus died for us all. And our hope is that just like Saul on the Damascus Road, he can appear and change their way. So pray for the persecutors, pray for the persecuted. And then thirdly, pray that in that moment, we would grow closer to God. This certainly is an unusual story we're talking about today. The predominance of persecution is happening against Christians and coming from very heavy-handed other aspects and other religious motivations. You've got to get a context here, haven't you, as you're thinking about what's happening in Mexico and then bringing that into its own context of what's happening with persecution around the world. Uh, Hundreds of millions of Christian believers under persecution and it's not usually coming from Christians. No, that's right. And it's one of the um, one of the realities of the cost of faith is that there is persecution, as you said, for over 300 million believers around the world who experience high to extreme levels of persecution. And for us as listeners and individuals or, or fellow Christians, number one, the best thing we can do, Neil, is just to be educated. You know, jump online, opendoors.org.au, understand the 50 most difficult countries to follow Jesus. And in the process of doing that, sort of start to, to, to see what it is that, I guess, um, or how, how it's hard for people to follow Jesus, what the persecution engine is, and then hopefully help it shape you and your faith. Well, a clash of religious cultures uh, often results in persecution of Christian believers. And as we've been hearing today, 
a clash of denominational cultures within our Christian faith can also result in all sorts of dreadful things happening. Let me point listeners to the Open Doors website, as Mike mentioned, opendoors.org.au, to understand the extent of persecution as it's going on around the world, the 50 nations that are on the World Watch list, and coming to some of those special stories that highlight persecution in lots of different variations. Open Doors dot org dot au mike gore the ceo of open doors in australia mike thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020 neil thanks so much as always for having me i really appreciate it thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au